things first. This is about truth telling. I have no agenda. Zero. I always have questions. What's the problem? That's just who I am. This is what no mercy is all about. Hey, here I come. You can book it. Ah. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? Breath taking a move that I make. I give it everything I got. Cause that what it takes. I push the limit till it break. The heart of the brave. The soul of a legend with the will to be great. Hold up. Welcome. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest edition of No Mercy with yours truly, Stephen A. Smith, coming at you at the very least every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Anywhere you can find your podcast, you'll find No Mercy with Stephen A. Smith. We're here in the studio, in my studio, thanks to our official studio sponsor, FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel is the official sports betting company of the No Mercy podcast. Usually, I've got a monologue for you, some opinion that I want to express some thoughts that I want to convey to you to lead in uh, to an even deeper discussion about things. Not today. My guest today is going to be four-time champion for the reigning defending NBA champion Golden State Warriors, Draymond Green. He's been through a lot this year. We know what happened with him. We know about the fight with Jordan Poole, which really was not much of a fight. We understand the ripple effect that it's had on the franchise, the potential effect it may have on his career, how he's thought of, how he's looked upon, what his future may hold. These are all questions that come up provoked by Draymond Green's actions. We've heard a lot of people comment about it. We've heard him try to comment on it to some degree. What we really haven't heard is him sitting in front of me answering some questions that I may have. And more importantly, what answers he may be willing to give extensively, uninterrupted. I thought at the very least, since I know him, got a lot of love for him, a lot of respect for him. He knew his actions were indefensible. But I thought it would be great for this audience to hear from him directly. Listen up. Listen in. As I talk to the four-time champion, Draymond Green himself, the first of two parts, two podcasts dedicated to this interview. Yours truly, Stephen A. Smith with Draymond Green. Here it is. My next guest might have the highest basketball IQ of all time. The Warriors' emotional leader is exceptional on both ends of the floor, achieving his success with some seriously high-level decision-making since he was drafted in the second round of the 2012 NBA draft. He is a four-time champion. He's been named to the All-NBA team twice. He is a former Defensive Player of the Year and widely considered to be one of the best all-around players in the league. And by the way, he can get emotional too. You know what I'm saying? He can get emotional. He knows that. I'm talking about the one and only Draymond Green for the Golden State Warriors. What's up, Big Time? How is it, man? How you doing? I am amazing, brother. I thank you for having me on the show. I got one thing to brag about while we get started. For everybody out there listening that's a fan of the podcast, I am too. I am a subscriber as well. I knew about this podcast before you. 
and I'm excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you, yes, you did. Yes, you did. Listen, man. L- listen. How do you feel? How do you feel about the way the the basketball season has gone thus far for the Golden State Warriors? Put it into perspective. Uh, it's been a roller coaster, honestly. Um, you know, starting with camp and you know camp being great, and then camp going south, and then you know coming into the season and not really getting off to a great start. I think we started off what. Um, maybe three and seven or something like that. Yeah. And and yeah. and then you know feeling like we're finding the rhythm and and think we're turning the corner and you know take uh, two steps forward and then take three steps back and you know then get guys going in and out of the lineup. We we catch a run and then kind of let it go and here we are. We have a great one uh, last night. So I mean it's it's been a roller coaster, but. You know, you try to stay as even as possible, but it's tough sometimes. It's one thing to be professional. It's another thing to be confident in what you do professionally. Collectively as a team right now with the roller coaster ride that y'all have been on, how confident are y'all that y'all can get it together in time to ward off some of these thoroughbreds that are coming your way? It's Memphis. Denver looks like a complete team. New Orleans is on the come up. We get all of that. We see the veterans with LeBron in L.A. and Kawhi and the, with the Clippers hoping he'll play. Luka is a big-time baller. We all know that. Mm-hmm. But Denver, Memphis, and New Orleans has really been standing out in a lot of people's mind. I can't forget to give your former assistant, Mike Brown, some love with what they're doing in Sacramento with the Kings. You know, at the time of the taping of this podcast, they were a fourth seed in the Western Conference. How confident are y'all that y'all going to be able to get this ship righted in the right direction so y'all can defend your crown? Very confident. Uh, we're very confident because ultimately we know what it takes. And, you know, um, those teams that, you, that all those teams that you just mentioned, uh, Memphis, Dallas, New Orleans, um, Denver, uh, Sacramento, they're, they're having incredible seasons. And, you know, you got to tip your hat to those guys. Uh, you know, Joker's playing at the MVP level that we've grown accustomed to. Ja, as you say, is box office. Uh, Luca, the same thing, you know. And and the reality is you got to uh, – Zion and CJ and those guys, you got to you, – you know, you got to pay attention to those guys and understand what they got going. But I think for, for us personally, we know that it's more about us than it is about them. Uh, if, if we – can do and get to the level that we know is necessary to win championships, uh, get to having the cohesiveness that we know it takes to win a championship, locked in on a night-in, night-out basis, and committed to the process of getting better. See, I think so many times people get it confused on, uh, on a season is not going to have its bumps. We had a ton of bumps last year. We, won nine, we lost 9 out of 11 at one mm-hmm. point. And so seasons have these bumps. The way I look at it is this. And, you know, be that I am one of the leaders of this team, it's my job to make sure that my teammates look at it this way as well. We're 21 and 21. Mm-hmm. We're having probably the worst season that anyone would have imagined us having up until this point. We're eight games out of first place. Mm-hmm. We're in sixth place. Um, and all is going wrong. All has gone wrong. We've lost Steph. We've lost Wiggins. We've lost... Jamichael, uh, you know, we've lost Wiseman, J- Kaminga, like you name it. Guys have been in and out of the lineup, and we're 21 and 21 sitting in sixth place. 
get everything together that, that we know we need to get together, our offense, our defense, uh, myself as a leader, um, you know, and, and making sure our team is tight as they need to be. And we control our own destiny. And when I say we control our own destiny, I mean that from the standpoint of if we play great, we win. If we get to the level that we know we need to be at in order to compete for a championship, I don't think anyone is beating us. And with those teams that you mentioned, the one thing we have on them is we've been there. We know what it takes. Mm. But I'm wondering what level of – I mean, I hear you say, I hear you talking, but y'all are reigning defending NBA champions. I don't like the fact that y'all lost Gary Payton a second. I know you don't. I saw the affection you gave him when you gave you when you when 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 he came back to town and, and you gave him that championship ring. Um, Otto Porter and what he contributed to the team. Now, Jermichael Green is no scrub. He can play. I like Dante DiVincenzo. I like mm-hmm. him a lot. I always have. But in the same breath, when I look at this team last year, I expected Kaminga, Wiseman, and Moody to be better. And I and I was anticipating that Gary Payton wouldn't go anywhere uh, at the very least, but that didn't happen. I, I mean, is are you sure that this is like the same team? The core's the same, but those guys made a huge ch- contribution last year. And well, going- you know, to, to, to most people, I, I could say back, yeah, but you didn't believe that last year when we had Gary Payton at this point and when we had Otto Porter. You're different. You are the one person that said, this team is going to win a championship. If they get help, Clay Thompson back healthy, this team is going to West Coast Finals. No, they're going to the NBA Finals and they're going to win a championship. You said that, so I can't necessarily say that to you. But here's what I will say. Right. Absolutely hate it and still hate it that GP is not here and to see him go. Um, number one, you build a relationship with guys and the relationship that we've been able to build, you, you just, you, you hate to see that kind of separated because, you know, in the NBA, everybody's living their own lives and yes, you stay in touch and all of that, but it's nothing like being together on a day-to-day basis. Right. And so just the relationship that we built and then what Gary brought to our team, see, everyone will say, well, uh, what he did on the defensive end, and which was absolutely amazing, probably should have been on an all-defensive team last year. Mm-hmm. But what he did on the defensive end, we all know. But what he did and brought on the offensive end, I think people don't understand as well. And that's this. I always tell people, having a lob threat gives you the same spacing as someone that's spaced out shooting. When mm-hmm. you have a really good lob threat, that it's no different then if you got now take this with a grain of salt, he's the best in the world at this. So take it with a grain of salt, but Clay Thompson, right. if you got Clay Thompson spotted up on the wing, having a great live threat is as dangerous as that. Mm. If you have the right people making the play with the live threat. Right. And so having Gary Payton as a live threat, cutting out of the corner or GP will go stand in the dunker. Like he's seven feet and you toss him alive. He jump vertical and get it. People don't understand how hard that is, how athletic you have to be to do that. And so uh, GP's random cutting, you know, all of those things, what, what that also brought to our offense, I don't think people understood the value of that as well. Now, let's talk about Otto Porter. Otto Porter is one of the best rebounders I've ever played with in this league. Mm. People don't realize that. And so you see, like, we've struggled more rebounding the basketball. That's no knock to anyone on our team. But what that is, but Otto Porter was a great rebound. 
Otto Porter played minutes. He was going to have seven or eight rebounds if he played over 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, some people you get, they can box out. They don't know how to get the ball. Uh, some people just go after the ball, but they're not great boxing out. Otto Porter was great boxing out. He go up in traffic and get rebounds. And then obviously we know he's a sniper. And so the way he shot the ball, he get this mid-range pull-up. You can run offense through Otto and get good shots. That's the same guy that signed for $100 million in Washington, then started going through the injuries. Right. What he brought to that team, what, what he brought to this team, it was very important. Nemanja Bielitsa, what he brought from a chemistry standpoint as well as spacing the floor the way he did was dangerous. Juan Toscano Anderson and the physicality that he brought to the game, the defense, you know, locking guys up. Damian Lee, always being ready. The guy went out of the lineup, D. Lee number call. You see last, last night he had 31 points That's right. with all of their guys out of the lineup in Phoenix. We lost a lot. Like, and, and those guys were huge. And I mean absolutely huge to what we were able to accomplish. Now, in saying all of that, Dante DiVincenzo is having an incredible year. I am upset that we're having the year that we have him because he's not getting the notoriety that he deserves for what he's doing coming off the bench. He's having a great year, and he's fit in like, like the missing piece to a puzzle. Jermichael Green, he's been last month been, been out with injury as you just felt like he was starting to find his rotation, you know, mm -hmm. early on trying to get the rotations together. And he just didn't look as great as we've grown to know him to look because the rotations are off. That's an early season thing. And when you're not one of the top five guys on the team, you sometimes deal with those things, but he was just starting to get his foot in. And then the injury happened. James Wiseman, when he came back up the Brooklyn game from the, from the G league, you could see improvement. You could see uh, his defensive coverages. He had gotten better. You know, he was, Starting to starting to turn in the right direction. Goes down with an injury. Kaminga. You saw what Kaminga was doing before he just went out. He's hound-hounding everybody best guard, changing games with his defense. You know, and he goes down and get injured. So those setbacks for younger guys, when you have those setbacks for those guys, it's like it's it's not like them taking one or two steps back as if like you had a step setback with Steph or you know, when I was out last year. We're so accustomed to the NBA game, we can make that adjustment fast. Okay. But for those guys, you're still adjusting to the speed. Then you're coming back from injury. You're a step slow because you're coming back. It's harder to adjust. And so those have been unfortunate things. And, and I, I think, you know, those the guys are starting to turn the corner. But, you know, in, in saying that, um, everyone got to step it up. It's not just those guys I talked about. It's myself as well. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gonna stop me high? Who gonna stop me high? Here's what I know about you. I mean, obviously, if you talk to anybody within the Warriors organization, they talk about sometimes you in the war room, sometimes you showing up there and you are part of the mix. Uh, you, you're helping them make decisions because you know your basketball. You're considered a basketball savant. I don't think people realize how brilliant you are about the game of basketball. So what you just explained Thank and you. what you just articulate as thorough as you did, I know you didn't just tell me that. I know you told them that. Well, why the hell did they listen to you? Why did they listen to you? Because I know you told them. <laughs> I um, if, if I'm being honest with you, I, I I shared all of my thoughts, and 
you know, uh, when when you're in a luxury tax situation like we're in, yeah. those thoughts are sometimes heard or sometimes not. And, and you have to yeah, make decisions for, you know, for other reasons. I I'm not the one writing a check. You know, it's Joe Laker and Peter Goober and their and, and their ownership group writing the checks. And so as much as I want to say, Joe, let's let's keep those guys. Let's do whatever we we have to keep those guys. I'm also not writing me a $25 million check that's costing $65 million because of our luxury tax situation. Right. You know, and so I understand that. And I think in order to have a voice in the organization like I've had over these years is they have to trust and know that you understand that as well. They can't just be, oh, I'm running up and down the basketball court. I don't know nothing about the business, but I'm coming to share my advice with you on what the makeup of this team should be. And, and I also understand that you lose trust that way by doing that. And so as much as, you know, you're like, hey, this guy's important for this reason, this guy's important for that reason, if it comes down to, but here's the luxury tax situation, and to pay Gary Payton his $9 million that he made is going to cost us $40 million, I can't tell Joe Lake. I, I can't sit there and look him in his face and say, yeah, but you got to write this check for us to win. No, it's on me to take whatever happens and go out there on the court and figure it out. So for that, we're 21 and 21. Not great, not awful, but I as a leader, Steph Curry as a leader, Clay Thompson as a leader, Andrew Wiggins, Kevon Looney, we got work to do. And that's and that's what it boils down to. But we we have a good enough cast that we keep bringing them guys around and we step our play up a, a little bit more. We got a good enough cast to do it again. No question about it, Draymond Green. And, and I love what you articulated, and you and you and you talk about your leadership capabilities, being a leader, being the leader that you've been, and helping lead this team to four championships over the last eight years. This year, uh, to to I'm making an, an assertion here. I'm making an assumption. Had to have been your most difficult year in the NBA, in light of on a personal level. Uh, what went on with you and Jordan Poole? What happened uh, before this season began? Talk to us about that. I know you've spoken about it many times, but I, I don't. I don't want to ask a specific question more than I want to ask what was going on with you at that particular moment in time in your head, and how did that happen? Talk to us and tell us what. Tell my listeners, my viewers what you may not have told anybody else, what you may not have decided to talk about, talk about it now. What was going on? Well, I think, you know, um, when I talk about this, as you know, I, I'm, I'm not one to af that's afraid to speak on anything. I'm always going to speak. I'm never going to hide from anything. If it's something I do wrong, I'll be the first to step up and talk because I don't need anyone to speak for me, say what they think I may have been thinking or what I may have. No, I, 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 when it's good, you stand there and you take the applause and you say, man, this is great. When it's bad, you got to stand even further ahead. You can't run and hide when it's... And so this topic, it's not that I, I, I don't get tired of talking about it because... It's a mistake that I made, and I have to stand on that and live with it, and, and I'm willing to do that. I'm always willing to face the music. I am also very, but I am very um, cautious when speaking about this topic because I affected someone else. 
And it's not up to me when that person may be ready to speak about it. It's not up to me when that person is really ready to hear about it in the grand scheme of things. You know, it's all. And so I have to be sensitive to that. And I understand that when you when you make a mistake by uh, by someone else, you have to be sensitive to how they feel about the situation. So I always try to be very careful when I'm speaking about it. But yet do it in a way where I'm not shying away from it either, as if it wasn't a mistake that I made and it's just no comment. No, it's not that. It'll never be that because no comment isn't comment. And so what I will say is this. There are times where you enter that basketball gym and it's a sanctuary for a lot of us. You know, it's, you, you, you walk on that court and you lose yourself in the game. You lose yourself. And for those, that hour, hour and a half, two hours, two and a half hours in the game, three hours, you lose yourself in the game. And everything else going on around that, you don't even think about. For those three hours or whatever, even when I was younger, I would go to the gym. And, and when I'm going through something, I would just shoot. You know, go late at night and just shoot. Right. Because I could lose myself for that hour, hour and a half in that game or in that workout or whatever it is in, in basketball. I could just lose myself. There are times when you step on that court and you can't shake what, 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 what's got you. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't shake the feeling. You can't shake the, the stranglehold, whatever it is that you're going through, got on your brain. Like you can't shake those emotions. There are times where taking the court, just don't do that. And, and for me personally, that day, that week, really that, those first three weeks, yeah, I was dealing with something in my life so heavy. Um, that means so much to me. And, 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 and I don't share, I don't, I don't want to share exactly what that is because, um, because it involves people around me that I don't like to make subject to public opinion. And so, um, I don't, I don't want to go into the specifics of what that thing was, but it's something so, excuse me, so heavy. It's something that I care about so dearly. Mm-hmm. That day, I was not able to lose myself in that practice. And so because I was not able to lose myself in that practice, everything that was going on in camp, you know, um, up until that point, then that moment, I'm already on 10, right? I'm, I'm already riled up, I'm amped up, I'm, I'm on 10, and so when the moment happens with us, I'm already there. You know, I'm already like just just there. Like I'm 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 pissed off. I'm 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 salty. I'm hurt. I'm bothered. I'm like frustrated. Yeah. I'm already there. And so then when that moment happens, like in that moment. <clears throat> Stephen A. When growing up, I was always taught you don't push anybody because if you push someone, 
they're going to hit you. They're not going to push you back. And so if you push someone, you better be ready to get hit or you better put your hands up because they're going to hit you. Like push means. And so in that moment, it wasn't about Draymond Green, the NBA player. It wasn't about, um, you know, this is my job. I'm a role model. My children are going to see this, any of that. It was just in that moment, I'm already on 10, and I reverted back to Draymond Green growing up in Saginaw, Michigan, without without no regards to anything around me, any situation around me, Um, my environment, that's my teammate. I reverted back to what I knew since growing up because I wasn't thinking in that moment. Mm. In that moment, I was just living right in that moment. I was fed up. And I over I, I reacted like I would have reacted when I was 13 years old. Mm. And so, <clears throat> yes, I was always taught you put your hands on somebody, you better be ready to fight. Yes, I was always taught, you know, certain things said as a man, you can't respect all of that. But I'm not Draymond Green that's growing up in Saginaw, Michigan anymore. Right. I made it out of Saginaw, Michigan. And you can't react to things the same way that you're going to react to something as Draymond Green at 32 years old playing for the Golden State Warriors that's accomplished all these things, that's a role model to many children, like, that has my own children that I'm a role model to, most importantly. Like, and in that moment, I didn't think of any of that, selfishly. Mm -hmm. I didn't think of any of that. Mm -hmm. In that moment, I'm just living right in that moment. What happens, happens. And, And it was the biggest fuck up that I've ever made in my life. And to make matters worse, I think one of my most, one of my worst moments that I've ever had in life was then share it with the world. Mm. And that made it even tougher. A lot when the tougher. world When the world saw the video, when the world got a hold of the video and saw uh, what had happened. And when, when I saw the video, I mean, people were saying you hit him. And I said, he looked like he knocked him out. It looked like the only thing that held Jordan Poole up was the fact that Draymond fell into him. And 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 it was it was definitely a vicious blow. What was your relationship like with Jordan Poole before that? Stephen A, when 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 I hit him, when I, when I well, first of all, when I hit him, I'm like, oh, and I grabbed him. Oh. Wow. I'm like, whoa. I grabbed that quick, that quickly, that quick. I'm like, whoa, absolutely. Like, whoa, I grabbed him. And like I said, one of the worst mistakes, I probably the worst mistake I've ever made in my life, but we all make, we make mistakes. And so to say in a moment, you know, this one may feel worse than that one at the time, you know, that one felt way worse than anything you go through. Right. So, but that was one of that was a bad, bad, bad moment for me. Our relationship before that, when Jordan came to the Warriors, he put his locker next to mine because he wanted to learn from me. Mm. From the time he showed up in San Francisco, I'm working out with my tra- my, my trainer Travis Walton. He comes he comes to work out with us. Time after time after time again. Yeah. Immediately, the first thing we noticed, this kid works his ass off. Kid works. And I mean works. 
first thing we notice. So you immediately gain respect because you have a work ethic. You got to respect somebody with work ethic, man. Absolutely. Immediately you gain our respect because you showing up and you working. Like, Stephen, I've had NBA players come to my workouts and, and like, throw up. Mm. Like, just a regular on basketball court workout, hour, 10, 15 minutes, come and throw up. I still work out like I'm in college. I still run like I'm in college. The same, like, I, I work out still like, like a college kid. Like, that's how I get in shape. People, that's people miss that. People, people miss that about you. They don't realize, like, take away the basketball skill the LeBrons of the world and others I marvel at the conditioning because you get all up and down up and down up and down the court everybody can't do that to me the greatest weapon about Steph Curry is his movement without the basketball he's never standing still so I get where you're coming from absolutely absolutely so that's how we work I've had guys come in and throw up multiple like not just and real players I'm talking about like yeah like, they were like real guys Scott come in, works, works, works. So gain respect. And we start to build. We start to build a relationship, man. And I take him under my wing. And didn't have a great first year. Wasn't having a great second year. Got sent down to the G League. Pretty much to rock. Mm. Like, this is it, man. Like, it ain't working. Sit down to the G League bubble. And I tell him, go down there, be a pro, and work. And destroy the destroy the G League. Destroy the whole bubble. Should be the best player there. What does he go down there and do? Work. Work. Struggling with a little maturity here and there, which is one of the reasons yeah. he's sent there. But he working. Has some maturity issues every now and then. The whole time he in the G League bubble, Stephen A., I'm calling, I'm calling Chris Weems, who's the G League coach at the time. Weems, what's going on, man? How Jordan doing? Two, three times a week. How Jordan doing? What's going on, Weems? What's up? Something go wrong, Weems hit me. Hey, man, you might need to talk to the young fella, blah, blah, blah. Cool. Check in with JPA, man. What's up? What's going on? Whole time. Come back from the bubble. He finished that year strong. Right. And we go to the play-in game. We lose the first play-in game. We lose the second play-in game. He coming back into that third year now. After finishing strong, Clay Thompson out still. He starts. Mm. Balls. Biggest supporter. Balls. Continues on. We finish the year we win championship. Couldn't be more happy for him. Dude, you was just, you about to get paid? You about to get paid? And you was just in the G League a year ago. Rotten. Everybody thought that was it for you. You were sent away and that was it. You, you, just, you just won a championship and you about to get paid. I said all of that to say, I raised him in this league. So, uh, one of the reasons that I say it's one of the biggest mistakes I ever made because I, I value, I value the relationship, and what happened in an instant threw all of that out the window. Mm -hmm. So, for the world to say, Draymond mad because he's gonna get paid and he not, man, I made two hundred million dollars. Mm 
and I'm going to make more. <laughs> and then when I'm done playing, I'm going to make more. Why would I be mad that a young guy that I took under my wing about to get paid? That's what this is about. <laughs> Pete Myers, who is my assistant coach, you know Pete Myers, played yes, with I Chicago do. Bulls for those that don't know. Was my assistant coach as as my first couple years in the league told me, Draymond, when you get paid in this league, you get paid to get the next young guy paid. And your Absolutely. your only duty in this league is to leave the league better in a better place than it was when you found it. And I and 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 you can ask any young guys in this league. I I try to embody that, man. Mm. And so for the world to, to to put to do something and put myself in a position to where people are going to say I'm upset that this man about to get get paid and because of what I did it actually gives that thing a look some legs and gives it some validation that hurt me more than anything and another thing that hurt me and it still bothers me to this day that kid got paid, and because of what happened, I couldn't even go celebrate him. Mm. That shit bothers me. Right. Bothers me. Draymond, <clears throat> you said that you're fucked up. My question to you was, is this. Obviously, the Jordan Poole thing is an issue in terms of striking him the way that you did. But when you say it was the biggest fuck up of your life, of your career, are you talking about because of the effect it had on Jordan Poole, because of the effect it had on your image, your relationship with the Golden State Warriors, the public and the public's perception of you? What specifically are you alluding to when you say it was the biggest fuck up of your career or your life? Well, all of those things you just mentioned, it affected every single one of them. Plus more. It affected mm. every single one. When you do something that can negatively affect all of those things you just named and more, I mean, that's a, that's, that's a pretty big deal. You know, like, like, even from the standpoint of, like, me doing my podcast, I, mm. like, I did a podcast after the incident and I, I hated, like I, I hated the way I sound. Like I listened to it before it would have been. And like, I didn't even like, like what was coming out of my mouth. Like one day, one day down the road, when I feel like everybody's in just a much better place, I'm going to release that podcast episode just so everyone can hear how bad I sounded. And I hated it. And so now with that. So you've my, never released my, it. So you've never released it. You I never, never released, released it. it. Never released the episode. Okay. And with that, that then coincided with my contract being up. So I took, you know, while, while I was working on contract stuff, it was at the same time. I'm not sure I, I'm upset that the contract stuff wasn't I'm not upset that the contract stuff was going on at that time. Not because 
not because I, I, I would have been scared to talk. I'm never afraid to talk. Um, not because I didn't know what to say, although when I heard myself speak, I kind of didn't know what to say. But mm-hmm. because it gave me time to regroup. It gave me time to like just regroup myself, learn more about myself, dive deeper into like knowing myself and knowing like just different things and like being more in touch with my emotions and like how I'm feeling at any particular moment and expressing that. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm one, I hope everybody think I'm just like, I'm always say something. I'm always say something. I'm very calculated. And I only really say something that something is really, really, really bothering me. Other than that, I won't say a word. And so I allow stuff to build, 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 build. And then just, bah! Like, and then it's like, uh-oh, well, like that, well, that, that definitely wasn't the right thing to do. And so even further learning that, right? Like just getting more in tune and in touch with myself. I'm not sure. And and because I, I give a lot to it, as you know, like I I you, you I give a lot to that podcast. Like I'm sitting in this room, I'm setting up, I'm doing this, I'm uh, listening to the episode and saying, ah, we need to change this. Um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm I take part in the social media thing. Like, no, we're not releasing that clip to draw people to the episode. They need to come listen, and if they come listen, then they're gonna hear that. But we ain't leading out with that. That's that's too like that's like chasing country. I'm involved in all of that stuff with my podcast, you know, like, and so I, I, I give a lot of time to it and not that, you know, I couldn't speak because although, you know, throughout the course of time, my point of view have grown, I wouldn't necessarily say change, but my point of view has grown. And so, and, and, and being able to have that time to go through all of the stuff that I needed to go through, because that was such a huge moment in my life. A bad moment, but it was a huge moment. And and just to have that time to go through those things, it, it was very, very beneficial for me. Now, in saying all of that, the, all the things that you mentioned, um, it affected my family. You know, people calling my wife, I mean, uh, writing my wife and telling her, like, you better watch out. He, he If he ain't already beating you, he going to beat you. Like, I'm, like, wow! you took away from me getting into an altercation at work on a basketball court in a very high intense space that I'm now going to beat my wife or like, I know he's beating on you and your kids at home. Like, that's what you took away from that. And then my daughter seeing it on YouTube, like, daddy, my, my kids love Jordan, by the way, like always have. They've always been like, because, you know, when Jordan first came in the league, rookie, he danced And so my oldest daughter, Olive, who's eight, she'd be like, oh, Jordan Poole, my favorite. She loved to dance. She's, mommy, look at Jordan Poole. He danced. Like, my kids love Jordan Poole. And so then for my daughter to see that and be like, daddy, why did you hit Jordan Poole? Like, she'd be on YouTube, right? It pops up on you. Daddy, why did you, why did you hit Jordan Poole? Having to answer that to my eight-year-old. My five-year-old, when I was six, daddy, you hit somebody? It affected so many people. My mom, you know, my mom active on social media. My mom had to get off social media. I was going to ask about her. I was going to ask him. 
Yeah. She had to get off social media, right? Like, man, it affected so many people. Like, you know, when stuff affect me, you know me, I'm going to handle it. I'm going to stand right in front of it. Ain't no big deal. Even if it's a big deal, I'm good. I'm going to get through it. But the amount of people that was affected by this, when you affect that many people, you, if that ain't one of the biggest things in your life, you're a fucking scumbag. Because to affect, to negatively affect that many people, it gotta be. It has to be. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? You know what resonated with me? I spoke out because when Kevon Looney came in a press conference and alluded to how you needed to regain the trust of the team, that bothered me because I was like, Jordan Poole gets to say that not somebody else. But then I thought about it and I said, okay, they're family and I get all of that. But what really resonated with me, I looked on the faces of a lot of these players as they looked at you and they didn't seem to know what to feel. But obviously the first person we all are going to look at is Steph Curry. When I looked at Steph Curry, I did not see a person that was upset at you or taking sides. I saw a guy that made me feel as if he had huge regrets himself, as if he could have done more to prevent what actually happened. I don't know if that's true or not. I'm just talking about the look that I saw on his face whenever somebody would bring you up or mention it. When you looked at Steph Curry, it was like a cringe that came over his face like, I should have done more, meaning him. I didn't understand that thinking because obviously he had nothing to do with it. But I asked that question because I want to know what you got from Steph Curry when that happened. Steph and I have such an incredible relationship. Uh, it's a very funny relationship because he's like, it, it, it reminds me so much of my actual big brother, like my blood, my mother's son, who's two years older than me, he and Steph is actually right around the same age. He's a little bit old. He's maybe, he's a few months older than Steph. But it reminds me of our relationship, which is super tight, totally different. Totally different. And because we're so different, We, we, we totally respect and understand each other's differences and that we're not nothing the same, but we know that the love is there and the respect is there and we're super tight, doesn't require us to hang out all day on the court, right? Like two totally different people, but yet we have definitely have some similar interests and we share in those interests. We love wine. We'll drink wine together, you know, like, but then we're also two totally different people. We enjoy two totally different stuff. Enjoys golf and I hate golf. The only thing that makes me enjoy golf nowadays is my son like it, so I'll go with him, right? Like, other than that, <laughs> like, that's a huge thing in Steph's life. Feel me? Like, we're, we're, we're two totally different individuals. 
one of the things that makes us so close is we actually understand that. And we respect it. We appreciate it. And I'm never going to be like, yo, Steph, I'm about to go to the club. Like, you trying to go? Yo, come on, go to the club with me. Steph ain't going to really go to the club. And if Steph ever go to the club once, he's going to be like, yo, hey, everybody, we're all going to go to the club tonight. And this is my one time I may go out. He ain't done that in like three or four years. But, like, that's what he used to do. And so two totally different people. But we respect, love, and understand that. What I saw in Steph when that happened, one of the – that's another one of the reasons I was really bothered is because what I saw in him is like, he didn't know what to do. It's like, he was confused, but hurt. Disappointed. I wouldn't even say he was mad. It's almost like disappointed. Like, but then also it's funny that you say like, what I saw in him was like, what more could I have done? Because in the instant when it happened, the one person face I saw and like the whole thing after all happened was Steph's face. And the look on his face was almost like, like how did I miss that almost? Like, just like he was like, like flabbergasted, just like, not even flabbergasted. Like, I don't even know the word to describe his face. It was like, I've never seen that look on his face before, but it was like, a. I don't even know how to explain the look, but what I took away from the look was, when I say, how did I miss that? I don't trust many people. So if I'm if I'm personally going through something, I probably won't share it with most people. The one person I actually shared and spoke to about what I was going through was him. And I told him, like, yo, I'm, I'm not in a good space right now. Like, by the way, before that practice, like, you know you my guy, too. And because you're so close to Steph, this is why I'm sharing this with you and on your platform. Because you got these relationships, I really wouldn't share this with anybody, but... The person that I shared with, what I was going through, how I was feeling, like, was him. And we actually were talking through it a little bit, but practice was starting, so we didn't really get through it. Like, we're, we're walking, stretching, and practice go. <clears throat> and the look that I saw on his face was almost like I didn't know it was there. You know, like. Almost like I missed the cry for help. You know, like you were talking to me about something you were going through. And although I was present, right? Like I was present or he was present as ever. It wasn't like he blew me off. You know, like, again, that relationship is so tight that he wouldn't, he wouldn't, he wouldn't blow me off or anything in the world. And so what I saw was like, like, how did I miss that? And that hurt me even more because that's what I saw. And it's like, I could tell how it hurt him in the moment, you know? Like, like he was deeply bothered by the whole thing, not just the punch, but by like all of that. And, and just, 
Like, so then that bothered me even more because it was almost like, to me, like someone who really wanted to be there. And, and like I said, time just didn't really allow it in that moment, you know? Like, it just didn't. Like, literally, we're talking about it and stretching and going through practice and then practice go, and it's camp. Like, this ain't even – by the way, if we was doing that in practice now, we both probably would stand on the sideline and just stand there and talk. Because let's be honest, practicing the season is good for, like, sharpening up and stuff, but you ain't going hard. If you're a good team, you're not going hard in practice really during the season. Maybe once every blue moon if you have a few days off. And so if we were having that right now in practice, we probably would stand there the whole practice and talk. But because it's a preseason practice training camp, everything just like balls to the walls. And so you just going, 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 going. And so stretching, stretching, and the moment practice take off, we just going. And then that's at almost the very end of practice. And so that's just kind of what I saw and felt, and it bothered me even more because like his face, what his face was screaming and yelling to me, if he was talking, you know how you know when someone mad is talking and they don't even raise their voice, they're just very frank and like, you know, like, uh, I don't want to mess with this person. If, if, if he had have been yelling or, or speaking and saying something as firm as ever or it wouldn't have been yelling. That's that's what his face was. Like it would it would have been just like, wow. And I, I it, it threw me all off. Wow. Doesn't get much deeper than that. At least that's what one would think upon listening to what Draymond Green just said. But believe it or not, there's more. There's a whole lot more. Wait until you hear part two coming to you this Wednesday. I end every podcast by saying you don't have to know sports to know mercy. Yet in this case, knowing sports, you definitely know mercy. Because Draymond Green said it himself. He kind of needed it real bad at one point. We'll hear more about that in part two of his interview with yours truly on No Mercy coming up in just a couple of days. Stay tuned. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13, an Odyssey company in association with Stephen A. Podcast Productions. Episodes of No Mercy are available now for free wherever you get your podcasts. Guess who's got a memoir coming out, ladies and gentlemen? Yours truly, Stephen A. Smith. It's entitled Straight Shooter, and it's available right now for pre-order. I have signed these books, just so you know. So you can visit straightshooterbook.com to order your autographed copy today. In the book, I talk about my life before ESPN, growing up in Hollis, Queens, New York, how sports proved to be my salvation. I talk about some of the mistakes I've made in my life and my impact on the world of sports. The book is called Straight Shooter, and it's written to help motivate you to overcome setbacks that maybe prevent you from reaching your dreams. So go right now and order your autographed copy of my memoir, straightshooterbook.com. Don't wait. It's entitled Straight Shooter. Check it out. Don't miss it.